Welcome to Grateful Scripts, and I'm your host, Lindsay Paulson. Join us as we dive in each week to talk healing, adulting, and resources for trauma, life, and just showing up for one another. Together, we are going to learn everything our parents forgot to teach us in a community of grace and humility. Grab the coziest blanket you have, some snacks, snuggle up, and be ready to digest the best script that anyone can prescribe. This is The Grateful Script. Welcome back to Grateful Scripts, and I am your host, Lynn Paulson. So we are actually throwing in an episode that we got a little out of order with, but I am so excited today to welcome Allie Foley onto Grateful Scripts. Um, we're going to talk about something today that has been pretty important to the both of us, and it's actually falling on the day of the groundbreaking for the first Human Trafficking House in Kentucky under Redeeming Hope, and I'm so excited to get to talk to her and kind of go through and learn a little bit about why it's important to both of us. So, Allie, welcome, and then can you tell everybody just a little bit about you? Let's see. I'm 15, and I'm in the 10th grade at Bourbon County High School, and I do pageants, and Human trafficking is something that's very important to me, and I guess we'll go a little bit more in-depth on that in a minute, but I think it's something that's important to the both of us. Yeah, no, absolutely, and I forget that you're so little. I feel like (laughs) you're like 18 years old. It makes me crazy. Um, So we, I actually met Allie probably when she was little, little bitty, so gymnastics was a world that kind of collided the both of us. I had her in the gym as a gymnast for a few years and kind of watched everything transpire and develop through Allie's life from the little, probably the middle of her gymnastics career to kind of towards a little bit of the end. Um, so it was, it was definitely human trafficking. I don't think was everything, anything we ever talked about when she was younger. So it's very Mm -hmm. weird to watch kind of all of that transpire and mold, um, but it is now something that she uses and actively talks about for her pageants. So, Allie, tell us a little about your kind of pageant experience and how everything's that going. And talk to me about how you're using Redeeming Hope in this as your platform. Okay, so pageants are kind of controversial. So some people think that it's just like, you know, going out on stage, prancing around. But the reason why I do it is for the platform part of it. and. Redeeming Hope is something very special to me because it has sexual abuse in it. And that is something that happened to me with my father. So through pageants, I've been able to take that and use it kind of to help other people. So I was really depressed for a while. I wouldn't want to talk about it. But the more I did talk about it and the more I started doing good things to help other people, the more I kind of coped with it. Yeah, no, absolutely. So when you are presenting kind of, I mean, I'll be really honest, I've I'm not one that has ever been to a pageant. Um, so kind of explain to me when you're walking out onto that stage, how are you presenting kind of like your platform or how is that applicable in what you use for your pageants? Well, whenever I, whatever I wear, I try to make sure it's still modest because of my platform. And we have a three to five minute interview. Some of them are even 10 minutes. 
but you go in there and you tell them about what all you've done. You tell them about the community service you've done. And then whenever you win a title, you can go out and you can have other people start to help you with that. You can do donations, charities, and even without a title, we still collect stuff and we still help with human trafficking and we still help redeeming hope. But a title is just a bigger platform to kind of spread it out on. So I have a social media account for that. And that's where I share a lot of stuff. And then other people share it. And then I have a lot of really close people in the pageant community that help me with my platform too. Yeah, no, absolutely. I think it's a it's a great thing that you and I know both your mom is actually um, very involved with. And we've kind of all even bonded past gymnastics for Redeeming Hope. Um, tell me a little bit about why this cause is so important to you. Well, like I mentioned before, sexual abuse is something that happened to me. So it was from about the time I was like five to maybe 10 or 11. It was like something that I thought was normal that fathers did. And it wasn't something that was normal. And eventually I did find that out. But whenever it first happened, we were actually at a gymnastics meet whenever everything came out and everybody started to know. So I was, I guess you could say groomed for years to not tell anybody because it was normal. And if I ever told anybody, he would kill my mom. He would be gone and I would have no parents. And as like a little five and six year old, you know, that's so scary. Like you just believe anything and everything that your parents tell you. So we were at a gymnastics meet and I had gotten really sick. And after my dad retired from the military, he actually taught at the school I went to at the time. And he was supposed to go in for work, but I was sick. He got sick. We both just ended up staying home. And next thing you know, the FBI are at our house. They're taking all of our phones. And, you know, we thought that they were going to everybody's house. We were like, why are they at our house? And deep down, I was like, you know, the only thing that I can think that would be bad was what's the relationship me and my father had. I guess you said the things that were happening and I was so scared. And then they sat me down in my bedroom. They told me that they like found stuff on his computer and I just broke down. I started crying and they asked me, like, did anything happen to you? And my mom was in the room. And obviously at that point I had never said a word about it. I never spoke about it. So I was so like embarrassed and ashamed the first word that came out of my mouth was no. And like, I denied everything. And then as months went on, they pulled me in for questionings and eventually they found evidence and pictures and things. So, you know, my little 11 year old mind was like, oh, they still can't know. Like he's, my mom's going to die if I tell, or if I tell anyone, because that's what he had told me. And then whenever they were like, no, this is you. I was like, okay, maybe I just don't remember it. That's what I told them because I was embarrassed and ashamed about it. And then eventually over time, like it just weighed down on me so much and I couldn't keep in the secret anymore. And I just broke down and I told my mom and there were a lot of emotions about it. But ever since I told her and then we started pageants and I turned my mess into a mission, it's really helped me become a different person. I've really grown out of my shell. I am obsessed with the fact that you always say mess into a mission because I think there is nothing greater in the universe than taking not only something that's traumatic, but something that you can go through a trial and tribulation and convert that into something brave. Like the even just coming onto the podcast and being like, you know what, I'm going to be brave and I'm going to 
speak out about this. And not only that, but you do it at pageants and you tell everybody about the cause. And that to me makes like, you are my biggest hero. Like I can't, I love the fact that that is kind of what you have focused on. Um, even at such a young age, just being able to utilize everything that you have gone through to help other victims and being a part of Redeeming Hope is just a huge, kind of a huge speech and tribulation to, or like a characteristic of your character. So I thank you for that. And I know that we both kind of had talked a little bit about Redeeming Hope. Um, so I'm going to share a little bit about it. Um, Allie and I are both trying to actively support Redeeming Hope. So it'll be the first human trafficking home in Kentucky. Um, we basically were both at the groundbreaking today and we are focused on building this home for victims. Um, it's going to have equine therapy. It's going to have, you know, counselors. It's going to hold 12 girls. There's going to be a Jordan River, which is actually a memorial dedication to my late friend Jordan, who was actually um, killed and is no longer with us. And her super brave mother is also turning a mess into a mission and is using this human trafficking mission and her purpose that God has given her to put together this home and help help victims. Um, Ali, I know that you were working with other organizations in the past. So kind of why did you pivot to, I guess, change over to kind of the, the cause of Redeeming Hope? Well, at first we were with Crown Free and they sell women's and men's clothing, jewelry, accessories, and a portion of that goes to human trafficking, like people who've been victims of it. But we, it wasn't something we could get heavily involved in. We could just sell stuff and spread awareness. So back in, I don't even know, maybe February or March, we started going to Church on the Rock. And before, like right before we had started going there, people were telling us about like a home that was being built. And we were like, okay, like we want to do that, but we didn't know how to get involved with it. So we started going to church and we started talking to people about it. And then we met Lisa and it was just something that it was a vision that we can all make come true. And with teamwork, it's something that can keep on growing and that we can keep on adding to like crown free, still love it, still want to help with it. But I feel like redeeming hope is something that we can truly like personally help these girls and we can personally talk to them and, you know, turn their messes into missions. No, absolutely. I think that, you know, we've, we've sat in on volunteer meetings. We've sat in on fundraising meetings. We've sat on uh, design meetings and architect meetings and kind of trying to get everything built literally from the ground up. And it's such a good cause. And, you know, it's a really not super positive thing to think about. Like nobody really wants to, like human trafficking is not a fun topic by any means. Um, I think when we had originally, when I had originally started planning um, and kind of going over statistics, Kentucky was ranked ninth in the United States for human trafficking. And this home is going to help assist victims that are under the age of 18. So that is a mind-blowing statistic. Um, as 
you know, a survivor of sexual abuse and somebody who speaks out and about the platform and everything else, where have you found your most strength and kind of resilience from? Well, at first, whenever I started pageants, none of the things about me had came out. So mom was like, okay, you know, because my dad would never let me do them and I always wanted to. So my mom was like, okay, he's gone. You just spoke out at his sentencing. We're going to get you dressed and you can do maybe two or three. And then we were like, okay, well, we want to do good at these two or three. So let's just, let's just get a coach. You know, I mean, we're only going to do a couple. We'll just go full into it. And my coach sat me down. She was like, okay. Like after my first pageant, she was like, okay, you've qualified for state. I mean, it would be a good experience. Just go to state, but you have to do an interview and we need you to have a platform. And at that point, I had told my mom what had happened to me, but I was still so shocked that I had even like come up with the strength to say anything about it. So I hadn't really talked about it. Like saying that it happened to me was as far as it had gone. And my coach asked me, she was like, listen, Allie, you need a platform. What is something that is near to your heart that you want to do to help other people? And I sat there and it was the first time I'd ever said anything about it. And I just said, I want to help kids like me who have been sexually abused. And I started crying. My mom started crying. My coach even got teary eyed. And my mom and her have been my biggest supporters throughout all of this. And they've been the two people that have taught me strength and resilience. You know, my coach, she teaches me ways to betray it and ways to speak out about it. And then my mom just kind of helps me. But another big supporter that I do have is God. Because without God, I wouldn't have been led to my pageant coach. No, I wouldn't have. Your NFL headlines of the day. Oh, there's Alexa. There's Alexa. You might have to turn her off. Alexa, be quiet. <laughs> that is so funny. Um, anyway. she is just she's just beeping on in. Um, no, absolutely. Go tell all about. I need you to go back on the God speech because that just gives me cold chills as far as going back and kind of what you've pulled strength from him. Yeah, so me and my mom have always been heavily involved in church. And my dad, like, he would go with us on special occasions. And he, you know, quote unquote, believed in God, but he didn't show it. Like, he would only go to church with us on like Easter and Christmas. That was about all you could talk him into. But throughout that, me and my mom always stayed really heavy in our faith. So, I mean, I know that God, he like, he puts really hard things in your life to make you stronger. And sometimes whenever you have a good thing, because I mean, as I was little, we always went on fun trips. I had a great childhood aside from, you know, the sexual abuse. We had a good family dynamic outside of our house. Inside our house, it was yelling, cussing, you know, just huge blow-ups every day. But I feel like outside of the home, it was really good. So whenever you have a good thing, though, God will start to pull that away. So over time, it started to be pulled away. It was getting worse out in public, almost how it was at home. But I know that God did it to make us stronger. and. I would have never said anything about it. And I think that God kind of put those things and in a way he's really what got it out because without him, I wouldn't have been able to speak out about it. He gave me the strength 
And then he gave me the courage to tell my mom. And then, you know, me and mom got even more involved in church because something had been ripped away from us. It pulled us closer to God. And church was just our safe space and talking to God. Like sometimes I'll just sit in my room and if I can't sleep, I'll just sit there and like talk to him like he's a friend. Like I'll just talk about my day. I'll talk about what's bothering me. And it's just kind of an escape and a way to cope with things. As far as just kind of everything you said, you know, before in your pageants, nothing had come out yet. And then kind of everything developed over time. When when do you feel like you finally had that like breath of fresh air, like it's okay to say this has happened? And when you kind of felt that safe space of relief to speak up for yourself? Oh, Lord, really only within the last uh, year or two, because at first it was like, okay, this is my platform. I'll talk about it and I'll tell the judges something personal like this happened to me, you know, very brief. But like now if I'm in an interview and they ask me a question, I can go into full depth detail about it. Like there's even been people because of my platform, you know, shared all over social media. People know what it is. Well, there's been people that have came up to me and been like, look, I've never told anybody this, but that happened to me too. and. I mean, I'm never going to, you know, share their story or anything because they know that they can come to me and they can say stuff to me without it being spread around. Because I know I have a couple of friends that you would have never known that it happened to them. And then they just come to me and they have broke down talking about it. And I mean, it hurts me to hear that that's happened to other people, but at the same time, I'm glad that God brought us together because we can just talk about it and we can kind of help each other through things. No, I think that's perfectly said. Um, As far as, you know, coming to that moment and talking through things and kind of, you know, navigating a new normal, was there anything that you were kind of surprised about, you know, after everything came out that some like something in particular that was harder like whether it be you know friendships or relationships or anything that changed that you kind of were shocked along the way that changed in your in your normal day-to-day well I will say I love my grandparents but on my dad's side his parents were divorced when he was I don't even know how old he was he was so I think he might have been in college or something. He was still pretty young. And his parents divorced. Well, so his dad got remarried. His mom got remarried, whatever. After all of this happened and dad went through the divorce with my mom, you know, he was acting how they did. They went through a very nasty divorce. And my dad kind of tried to do that to my mom. And then my grandparents, they were sticking up for him. They were, oh, he's still our son. We're going to love him, whatever. They had no disregard for what had happened to me. And they sided with him because in their eyes, their son did no wrong. I mean, I get like unconditional love for your kid, but if your kid does something that bad, you can still love them without, you know, supporting them and helping them through like whatever they're doing. Because if he needs money, his parents give it to him. Like if he needs to fight us in a divorce, if he needs to fight us over assets, his parents go to him. And his parents, they'll send me money on my birthday. They'll send me Christmas money. They'll, I'll get a text on Christmas for my birthday, but that's about it. They have no disregard for me. They've been awful to us. And I guess I miss 
the family aspect of it. But at the same time, I'm happy that they're not really in my life anymore because of the way that they are standing up for my dad and how just awful they are being. But I guess that's really the main thing that has changed. As far as, well, I think that as far as that goes, I I don't know them as human beings, so I, I can't speak to their character, but I would just hope that people would, you know, you always want to hope that people are going to side or err on the side of leaning towards more of what's right. And right. I I think that, you know, regardless, I don't know that I, I don't know that I would be able to make that same decision per se. Like, I think that, you know, if it was my granddaughter, I would have to err on the side of that. But, you know, I'm not in that space that situation to speak towards that but on the flip side what is one resource that you found extremely helpful or maybe something that you were surprised about that it like helped you cope throughout this journey there have been so many aspects to that i mean first off like i've already talked about god and then my mom my pageant coach but on my mom's side my grandparents are great I love them so much. And like they would fight till the ends of the earth for me and my mom to help us with whatever we need. They have come down to the house. They go to court with us. I mean, we go down and they're, they're down to Tennessee where they live and we see them. And they have been really big supporters. I mean, I lost a whole side of our family, but I'm still super close with another side, with my mom's side. And I feel like our relationship has even grown stronger through all of this. And I will say Redeeming Hope has also been kind of a coping mechanism because knowing that I'm not the only one in this boat, I mean, it's it's not a good thing. I don't want anyone to go through it. But knowing that I'm not alone and knowing that me and other people can talk to each other to help each other kind of makes it a little bit better. But I don't know. There's just been so many aspects. It's hard to even talk about everything like there's even little girls in pageants. Like, obviously, they're like anywhere from like a couple months old to 10, 11, 12 years old. So obviously, they don't know what happened to me. But having them in my corner, because a lot of their parents do know, and a lot of their parents, you know, give me encouraging words. They all talk to me. They all help me. And they even all put in money to buy my nationals pageant dress for me because at the time we were in a financial bond and we didn't think that we could afford a new dress. We thought all we could afford is the entry fee. Well, they all helped me to get a new dress and that was really sweet. And I appreciate all of them for that. But there's just been so many people in our corner that have helped us throughout the way. Yeah, I definitely think community is probably probably one of the biggest resources that I think everybody kind of falls back on when when I ask that question, what's one resource? Um, you know, we've had some people say therapy. We've had some people give actual tangible things that you can buy on Amazon. But I think at the end of the day, community is probably the most invaluable resource of it all. And it, you know, it gives me cold chills thinking about them coming together to get your dress for you and anybody who's kind of help support you through that because not only are they, you know, helping you heal and grow and, but they're helping you live out, you know, a little bit of part of your dream to, to give other girls hope who are in the same position. I mean, even gymnastics helped like, because, you know, Jennifer and Michael and all them, 
I had known them since I was, what, five years old? And I did gymnastics for 10 years and they watched me grow up. I mean, I consider them another part of my family because, you know, if I needed to talk, I could always talk to them about stuff. And they watched me go through what I was going through and they were always there and they were always supportive. And they were just, gymnastics is a whole nother family. And I miss it so much. Like sometimes I just wish I could be back in the gym, but all I don't of think you have really enough free time, ma'am. I know I don't, but I really don't think you have enough free time. I don't, your mom's going to be driving to eight different cities by that time. Oh Lord. We drive everywhere. Like today we had to drive up to Bourbon and then we came back to Richmond for the groundbreaking. And then I went home and took a nap and then we had to drive back to Bourbon for dance. So yeah, no, you are you are definitely busy, um, and I think that probably also helps keep things. You know, when you're keeping your mind going, you're keeping yourself in positive spaces or in keeping yourself surrounded by that positive community and whatnot. What would your biggest piece of advice be for somebody who has endured kind of something that you've you've gone through, and what? What is it that you're telling during your interview as far as, you know, an optimistic ear or shoulder to lean on? What What's one piece of advice or something that you're, you're communicating for anybody who's kind of been with, been through what you've gone through? I mean, honestly, speak out because that was something I didn't do and it weighed down on me for a really, really long time. But once I did speak out about it, it helped me a lot. And then also, you know, like all the posters say that Lisa has, your eyes say bless. So if you can know what to look for and you can look around you and you just have awareness about human trafficking and sexual abuse, you can help so many people. But if it happens to you and you have one safe person that you can tell, telling one person can make all the difference and it can completely change your life for good. Yeah, I was listening to the speech today they gave at the groundbreaking and they were talking about the Your Eyes Save Lives. And that's a great point. Um, the Human Trafficking Task Force, they were saying, you know, if kids have more than one cell phone, if kids can't afford basic needs, but they can afford, you know, fancy laptops and headphones and designer purses, um, you know, if they're missing a lot of school, if they're having absurd behaviors, then there's all the signs and you can go look at it at the website, but there's, those are all signs that they could be enduring something or, you know, somebody is paying for services from them and they might not even, they might not even realize it. Yeah. And it's something that like people don't even realize, like, look at me as a kid, you would have never thought that that happened. I mean, I don't know. You like, you can't tell with anybody what really happens to them at home. Like outside of, you know, public places. And yeah, it's it's yeah. definitely not it's not discriminatory, and it knows, you know, these predators know no bounds. So it it doesn't have to be somebody that looks like, you know, they probably have a mugshot somewhere. It can be anywhere and everyone. And I think that's why the the mission is so important because, you know, now you see it coming out about. Other teachers or other guardians or coaches or these humans that are, you know, trading 
trafficking services of their children to be able to purchase contraband and other illegal activities. And it's just mind boggling that these children aren't safe. Um, and oh, it gets it gets me in my emotions just thinking about it because like people, it's like even mental health, like it all feeds into this. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I think that if we can even get, I mean, I know quickly that they'll be able to find 12 girls to put in this house, which is disheartening, but also, you know, through the right therapy and the right resources and the equine therapy and working to get back into society and learning those societal skills, I think that's going to gonna be a tremendous help. Yeah, and like you said about teachers, like, Okay, I don't want to dog this school, so I'm not going to say their name. But the first middle school that I went to, they were great in the beginning. And then I hit eighth grade. I had to switch halfway through my eighth grade year and go to bourbon where my mom works because I had this teacher that would like make comments to me. Like I remember one time I got a really bad grade on a test. And in front of the whole class, he was like, Allie, just because your dad left doesn't mean that you can get a bad grade on this test, like in front of the whole class. So oh, was, no, Allie, oh, I'd have been falled out in the floor. Yes, exactly. So obviously I'm going to roll my eyes and get attitude about that. I mean, was that respectful and should I have done it? Probably not. But it was just a reaction that happened. And he wrote me up and sent me up to the office for the rest of the day. And then he did it again the second day for no reason and found out a couple months ago he um, actually went to jail for doing the same thing to his kids. So he was making fun of me while he was doing it the whole time. Yeah, that is basically somebody projecting their own insecurities onto somebody else. That's the extent of that. Um, so bad. Yeah, that's not okay. But to, to kind of pivot to a more positive point, I would love to hear about how people can help support you and your mission in the pageant world, how they can find you on social media, where they can find out... Um, you know, we talked about Redeeming Hope. They're on Facebook and Instagram at Redeeming Hope KY. They also have a website if you go there. But I want to know specifically how people can help you in your pageant mission and kind of find you and support you um, through that journey. I mean, whenever we post stuff about Redeeming Hope, you can always donate. You can always help us build the home. You can always give things that the girls will need. I mean, right now we really need, you know, the supplies to build the home and like the rest of the funds. So at this point, money would probably be more helpful. But you yes. can always, yeah, and trades, always materials and trades, materials and trades. That's yes. what I keep telling people for the actual house um, for that part. But as far as like pageants and stuff for you, where can we, how can they support you individually so you can keep spreading the mission of Redeeming Hope too? I mean, so on Facebook, my pageant title that I have right now is a manifest Miss Teen US. So if you look that up, it's a picture of me in a pink dress. You'll know it when you see it. <laughs> and, you know, you can post things on there and I will share mm -hmm. stuff, but really just you sharing posts and you helping with Redeeming Hope is the main thing that can help in pageants and with my platform. Yes. No, absolutely. Well, they've got a website they can take and we have... Oh, gosh, what do we have? T-shirts, mugs, everything that goes to the cause so you can have gear. Um, I know that we're doing the annual Valentine's Day ball where you can buy tickets and that's going to be um, that will be in Richmond and you can support that way and kind of learn about just the platform in general. But 
definitely any sort of material donation, trade donation, or, you know, we have a couple volunteer opportunities. I know there's a volunteer page that you and your mom are actively, you know, a part of and promoting. Um, so it all, it all makes a difference. Yes, that's something else that we need. So if you guys want to, you know, volunteer to help fundraise, you can always text me or Lindsay. Yes, yes, definitely. We need lots more volunteers. Yes. Allie, thank you so much for coming on here and telling your story. I didn't know that I could love you more if I tried, but I am just proud of you and you're brave for coming on and telling everything and using this mess for blessings and good and giving back to the community. And I truly appreciate everything that you've been doing. Thank you. And thank you for having me.